0: This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 32, The Reformation. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast, with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, But the Lamb will conquer them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Those with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Revelation chapter 17 verses 7 through 14, CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast, this is your host Ree, and today we're taking the seemingly mundane topic of the Reformation and we're taking Bible scripture and we're putting them together to see what has actually happened and to see how prophecy actually talks about the Catholic Church, Protestantism, and pretty much everything that's been going on in the last couple of decades and centuries. So. When I first learned about the Reformation, it was strictly from a historical point of view because I learned about it in school. We didn't really talk about it in church and I never really thought about it. Even though I knew that it was about Christianity or supposedly about Christianity, I didn't really pay much attention to what that had to do with the Bible. It's so far removed, right? The Reformation started you know, the 1500s or so, Um, And that's well removed from when John penned Revelation in the late, you know, first century. So it doesn't really like you don't really think that there's a link there. But there is a lot in that book that talks about the Reformation and the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches and what has happened and what is happening. So. One of the first things that I want to talk about is the fact that the Catholic Church is not a Christian Church. That is a strong statement to start the episode off. But I felt like I just had to let you know where I was going with it up front. I didn't want no surprises coming out um, in the middle of it. That's where I'm going. So if you are a Catholic, I want you to know this is not an attack on you. This is not an attack on you personally. You may be a great person. You may have the most well-intentioned meanings, but this is an attack on the Catholic Church, okay? So the Catholic Church came out of Rome. As you can see, the end of the Bible, Rome was heavily persecuting Christians. Followers of Christ were heavily persecuted. They did not like them because they were proclaiming that there was a king other than Caesar. They were not afraid to die. And the Romans just didn't know what to do with these people. They could control the Jews, they could control you know all these other religious groups, but they could not control the Christians. And because the Christians had this uh, this, I don't know strength, this this faith, um, it was rubbing off on other people. People would see the Christians get executed and they would be inspired. And so they would go and they would also convert to Christianity and it was just, Like it was exploding the number of Christians and they could not contain it. So Rome had to do something about that. So eventually, Rome makes Christianity legal in the eyes of Rome. And Constantine is the person who does this. He claims to convert to Christianity. And he says that he's following Christianity now. And that's now one of the official religions of the Roman Empire. Now, one thing you have to keep in mind is that people are not really that different. We haven't changed that drastically much over the centuries. Um, We always want to be on the favored side of the politicians, of the most famous, of the most powerful. You don't want the people who have power to dislike you. And so people converted to Christianity to be favored right now it's the cool thing it's the end thing so they're doing what the you know what the emperor is doing but it really doesn't have anything to do with their heart or changing or actually believing in christ or following his message it has to do with the fact that this is the new fashionable thing to do in rome what rome did um, not just with christianity but in general is take different aspects of the cultures that they were conquering and mash them together. And that is what modern Christianity is, particularly Roman Catholicism. And I wanna insert right there that the word Catholic means universal. So that phrase, Roman Catholic Church, really is Roman universal church, okay? This is what they were trying to create, a religion that unified the entire you know, conglomerate of Rome, which included, included multiple peoples and cultures. So they took things from these different pagan religions like Saturnalia and Sol Invictus, Yule, which would eventually become Christmas, and they took Easter, which they are substituting for the Passover, um, and they would take all of these different things, um, the statues, what have you, and they would quote unquote Christianize them. They would give them Christian names. And then they would say that they're no longer worshipping Venus. This is actually Mary, mother of Jesus. They would say they're no longer worshipping Zeus. This is actually Peter. It's a statue of Peter, guys. And they put all of these things into their churches, into their buildings. Um, They let people celebrate the dead and worship the dead, even though the Bible talks about Um, condemning necromancy and condemning this idea of worshiping the dead and things like that. But the Catholic Church brought this in because it was part of the traditions of these other pagan nations and they didn't want to let go of those traditions. And so they just added Christian names to them and went on. As time went on, the Roman Empire, the secular Roman Empire, started to lose power and it started to split. And some of the power of the Roman Empire went to the Bishop of Rome, what we now call the Pope. And the Bishop of Rome ended up rising to tremendous power and it ended up becoming the Holy Roman Empire, where unlike the previous Roman Empire that was actually like a territorial thing where this king is ruling over all of these places, the Pope wasn't really like a king but he ruled over kings. Kings had to go to the Pope for permission because the Pope claims to be God. He claims to have the authority of God, which is blasphemy. And he claims to be able to forgive sins and things like that, again, blasphemy. Um, and so this is how the kings of Europe, you know, in their mind, the Pope controlled their afterlife and their destiny. And so they all reported back to him. One of the splits that we will eventually see is with England when King Henry wants to divorce his wife and the Pope is like, no, and he's like, I'm cutting ties with you, right? (laughs) Um, This is how much of a stronghold the Catholic Church had over these individual nations before this. They were deciding who could and could not be installed as king and they were just dictating those king's actions, even though they claim to be sovereign of this nation. During this time is when we have the Dark Ages. The Catholic Church rose to immense power. Like I said, they were over the kings and they were taking everybody's money. Uh, they like Even to this day, the Catholic Church has an, an immense amount of gold and treasures and uh, artifacts that they've stolen from around the world. They became very wealthy, very rich, which is also how they held on to power. And they also became very much a persecutor. This is when they started the inquisition and things like that. And the Catholic church went out killing people in the name of spreading their false gospel. And so this is what a lot of people will reference when they start talking about Christianity, but I wanna make it clear that that was a false gospel from a false church. Okay, that's not real Christianity. Just because you call yourself a Christian or because you call yourself a Christian church, doesn't mean you're actually a Christian or actually a Christian church. Jesus himself said, many will come before him saying, Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me, I knew you not. So um, that being said, the Catholic church was not okay with anyone saying they were wrong. Disagreeing with the Catholic Church was punishable by death. There are torture chambers in medieval Catholic churches in their basements that tells you what type of entity the Catholic Church is. There's no speculation there, okay? Now, as time went on, there was this miracle that happened. That miracle is the printing press. As the printing press became a thing, the first thing they printed was a Bible, right? And with that, they started to make the Bible accessible to the everyday person because now they're gonna start printing the Bible in English. They're gonna print it in the common vernacular. Whereas previously the Bible was only printed in Latin. So only the priest could read the Bible. And so the people had no idea what it said. Now, as a lot of scholars start to read the Bible, even before Martin Luther, people start to take issue with the Catholic Church. They start to say, hey, look, something's not right here. I don't think this is okay, what's going on? And they start trying to build up something that's like a Reformation, but it doesn't happen quite the way they want it to. It's not as big, I guess, as as the intended effect. But eventually, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the church door, and it began what we call today the Reformation. Um, You know, it took time. It's not like there was a split immediately right then. I think people talk about it like that. But over the next few decades, um, maybe even centuries, there were several fractures that happened between the Catholic Church and what we now call Protestantism. And of course the Catholic Church was angry. This amped up the level of persecution in in England and in France and in Spain and in Ireland, um, probably in Germany. And all of these countries um, started to see this kind of warring between these opposing ideas of Catholicism and Protestantism. Now, I don't have time to go into quote for quote, um, right here, but I will say, I'm going to add it in the show notes. There are many, many, many founding fathers of, uh, different Protestant religions that identified the Catholic church as the antichrist, not, not the people, mind you, not the people, but the Pope, the office of the Pope and the belief system itself. And this is where things get interesting okay so at the beginning of the episode i read to you a passage from revelation chapter 17 and i want to talk about a couple of things that are talked about in revelation that line all of this stuff up together so in revelation the bible talks about two beasts and two women and within the bible's context women or a woman represents the church. Um, The Bible often uses when you have, so let me back up. Okay. There are dreams and visions and prophetic language in the Bible. And for these things, there's symbolism. Okay. And the Bible establishes certain symbols throughout the verses. A lot of things in Revelation are established in the book of Daniel. Some things are um, spelled out in revelation but there's always a passage within the text that tells you what the symbol is and how you can uh, define it it's not just people making up things so in revelation there is these two beasts which we've known from previous experience in daniel but it's also explicitly mentioned in revelation that beasts usually represent nations or kingdoms and then you have these two women who represent. The church one represents the church that is faithful to God and the other represents the harlot right or the prostitute or the church that is unfaithful to God. Okay, and so primarily we're going to focus on the church that's unfaithful to God, but we're going to talk a little bit about this other church as well probably so. The Bible starts in, in Revelation 17, and it's talking about this unfaithful church, this woman that is sitting on top of a beast, okay? This is Rome, the Catholic Church, right? The Holy Roman Empire, sitting on top of the Roman Empire. Both came out of the sea, which was nations, peoples, and tongues. They came up and they became established. And interestingly, within this passage, it tells you that it's sitting on the seven hills or the seven mountains. The Vatican sits on the seven hills, like you can look that up, it will tell you the seven hills, the Vatican, it's the same location. Okay, so that's one thing. But it goes on to refer to this woman as Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. The mother of harlots actually has daughters, the daughters of Babylon. And these are the churches that come out of the Catholic Church, which are, of course, the Protestant churches. Now, I've been airing out some of the dirty laundry of the Catholic Church, but the Protestant Church is not clean either, right? They are the daughters of the harlot. The Bible calls the Catholic Church mystery mother of harlots. So the mother harlot has daughters, which are the Protestant churches that come out of Catholicism. And in many cases, these churches had one piece of the puzzle or two pieces of the puzzle where they would identify a doctrine in which they believed that the Catholic church was doing something against the word of God. They would fix that one thing, but they would keep all of the other traditions. And so you'll see a lot of protestant churches still have many traditions and characteristics of the catholic church despite being in protest of the catholic church so eventually you have all of these people in europe who are warring against each other and they start to flee and come into places like the united states um, due to the persecution now One of the things I wanna point out is again, the Bible talks about the fact that um, the true church, the remnant church will be persecuted by the dragon. And the dragon is the power behind the beast. It's the power behind the harlot. So it is also the power behind this false church, which is the Catholic church. And that's exactly what happened. If you consider the Protestant church, the remnant um, at the time, they fled into the wilderness, which would be, you know, the, the United States and other countries that were less populated than the cities. Um, I don't want to say that it, I, I don't know if I want to say less. I feel like it was just more sparsely populated, right? So there were Native Americans over here, but they weren't coalesced in these cities the way people were in um, Rome and London and Paris and things like that. And so Essentially, you have this spreading of of people into what the Bible refers to as a wilderness or a place of refuge. I don't think it literally means um, wilderness. We saw this with uh, Israel when they came out of Egypt. They were in, quote unquote, the wilderness. It really is a refuge or a temporary place in the passage between leaving, bondage, and getting to the promised land, which would be salvation or heaven. And so during this time, uh, the United States was actually heavily anti-Catholic because most of the people who came to the United States were either not religious or Protestant. And either way, that's an enemy of the Catholic Church. And so during this time, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of infighting, and eventually people basically Dethroned the pope, and by that I mean that he no longer had this this high power. A lot of the kings severed their ties with them. Like for instance, in England, they created the Anglican Church, um, and so they started creating their own, you know, national churches where they don't rep- report back to the pope and things like that. And so, the pope's power basically was not right. So, the Catholic Church was. And then it was not. I mean, it it, it existed, but the, the, the power and the authority was not there anymore. Now, after a couple of wars happened, um, suddenly the UN decided to give the Catholic Church back the seat of the Vatican and give them uh, authority so that they have their own jurisdiction. And this is also why no other nation could really do anything or investigate um, matters with the sex abuse scandals and pedophilia that were happening or are happening within the Catholic Church because the Vatican has jurisdiction of its own territory. How, why, I don't know. Um, But interestingly, articles from that time period refer to this as healing a wound, healing a wound. And if you listen to modern discussions From the Pope, you will hear some of the same language about trying to reunite the Protestant Church and the Catholic Church. Basically, reuniting the Whore of Babylon with her daughters. So this reinstatement of the Pope as a political power has drastically shifted a lot of perceptions and a lot of activities um, within our world and our culture, so if you pay attention, you will start to see the Pope attending meetings that are for political figures, things like UN meetings and stuff like that. And it's like, why is the Pope there? W- like, what is your purpose? Go back to the Vatican and sit on your little throne and and do whatever it is you claim to be doing. But the Pope is involved in all kinds of political. Uh, meetings and things even though he's not supposed to be a king or any sort of political figure and on top of that as this change happened a lot of the anti-catholicism anti-catholic mentality I don't know how to phrase that anti-catholic mentality that was in the United States due to the fact that many of the people who immigrated to the United States in the beginning were fleeing Catholic persecution, um, that just kind of went away. So you started to see things like JFK being elected president. He is the only um, professed Catholic person to ever hold the office of presidency. You went from having a Supreme Court full of justices who were Protestant to now I think all but one are either Jewish or Catholic. We There was a time where there were no Protestant Christians on the Supreme Court Justice um, bench. And now, of course, President Trump's nominee is a Catholic as it things are changing. And um, a lot of media effort has also gone to um, making us kind of warm to the idea of Catholicism. For instance, anytime you watch a Hollywood movie, and they portray Christianity, they portray Catholicism. It's always a priest. They're always dressed in the priest garb. There's plenty of movies about like nuns and things like that. Um, But Catholicism is not an accurate representation of Christianity. So this goes back to the things that I've been talking about this entire season about the deception and using precise language and being very specific when you're talking about things because a lot of the problems that people have with Christianity are actually with Catholicism and with the remnants of Catholicism that were passed on to the daughters of Catholicism, also known as the Protestant churches. And I wanted to point that out because it's very important. Like I said, or have been saying um, throughout the season is precision of language, precision of intent. Um, We have to be precise when we're talking about these things because A lot of time has passed and a lot of things have happened. A lot of language changes have happened. And we're not always talking about the same things. And we're correlating things that have no business being correlated. A lot of um, the church organization or the church institution, the institution of Christianity doesn't match the word of God. Because it is this false Christianity, this false church, this antichrist that the Bible was prophesying about. But most of us don't read um, that deep into it. We don't study the Bible alongside history. And a lot of us, quite frankly, are scared to tackle Revelation, so we don't see any of this anyway. But I highly recommend an in-depth study of Revelation and Daniel. Um, I'll probably link some sources in the show notes to um, bring it all together. Uh, Before this episode gets too long. I do want to point out um, a couple of other things tied to um, Christianity, Catholicism, whatever the the whole um, the whole confusion and deception that has happened. Um, I've mentioned it briefly in other episodes, I think, but I wanted to go ahead and associate this with this topic as well, is this concept of white Christianity or white Jesus. So the Bible itself says not to make a graven image of God, of, of anything, of the likenesses of anything in heaven and all of those things it's actually in the Ten Commandments um it's the second commandment if you talk to a protestant it's not a commandment if you talk to a catholic because they don't acknowledge that (laughs) commandment which makes sense because they have statues and things in their church um but the entire concept of painting a picture and, and claiming that that is jesus or painting a picture claiming this is adam and eve and all of this stuff um it's very controversial i mean so painting a picture of Jesus is wrong. That is just outright forbidden. Painting pictures of the other characters in the Bible are more controversial. Doesn't I mean? Obviously, you're not supposed to be worshiping those images, um, but just having some sort of um, imagery to help you teach or something like that. I don't. That's where people would argue: Is it okay? Is it not okay? But because the Romans are the ones who kind of championed this version of Christianity that was spread to the world, they painted people that looked like them. Because that's what it was always about. It was always about Roman nationalism and this Roman universal church. It was never about the brown people that the religion actually came from. And so the people, the Israelites, would have been brown. If you meet people from that region, if you read the text of the Bible carefully, um passages where for instance Moses' hand turns white it's like well what color was Moses' hand before it turned white right if you read the passages where they're consi- um consistently confused with egyptians and i've met egyptians i've met modern day egyptians and they are roughly the same skin tone that i am and this is after they have been um intermingling with the romans and the greeks and all of these people and they're still as dark as I am. So I imagine the people that were there when Moses was there, when Christ was there, they were probably a lot darker. Now I'm not talking about necessarily phenotype. I'm not, race is not a legitimate thing in the Bible. God just created people um, and we could have a whole nother thing about that. But my point is the people of the book were brown. They were not European, okay? Jesus did not have blue eyes, he didn't have that auburn, brownish looking hair. In fact, um, there is controversy that the picture that um, people often reference as being of Christ, it is thought that it's modeled after this man named Caesar Borgia. I'm not pronouncing that right, but he was actually the son of one of the popes. I'll put more information about that. It's contested, no one really knows, but nonetheless, during these time periods leonardo da Vinci and all these people started painting pictures they were people in europe who were just out to make the people of this book look like them and it fit the narrative and you know satan is good um god is better but satan is not a level one rookie okay he planned it out for this deception to go as far as it could and part of that deception is getting people to believe that this is the white man's religion and i have heard a lot of my black brothers and sisters who are like you know i can't worship jesus i can't worship the white jesus and all this other stuff but if you actually go into the bible you will see that these people were not white and that this is part of this deception um, this false image uh, Christ himself said that people would come in his name, that they would pretend to be him. That is what that image is. It is blasphemy. Um, and it is, again, part of this mother harlot that has just been passed down for centuries that is part of the ultimate deception. So with that being said, um, I encourage you to do heavy studying. That was a very heavy episode. Um, and hopefully it made sense because I feel like I packed a lot of information and didn't really go in depth for most of it. I will try to put as much information as I can in the show notes. Um, and if anything confused you, please do not hesitate to reach out because I don't, the last thing I want is to confuse people more. Um, so if you need me to go back and break it down piece by piece and do like a series, just let me know. And I will go into that as well. In the meantime, head over to YouTube because Psalms to God is now a YouTube channel as well and there is plenty more content there that you can check out. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and to the YouTube channel and I will see you guys next week. Bye.